Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. favorite time of the year has come and gone Colts fans I mean it was it was a long 72 hours uh I I just couldn't wait for it to all go down but it has come and gone oh man it was a fun weekend welcome back to the Boost Stable podcast guys I'm your host Michael Terraza joined by me as always Destin Adams and Rashad McGinnis guys how how did y'all spend a draft weekend no I mean I I was pretty much just in my living room, uh, doing my own thing. I, I think the first day one went by, I felt like it went by a lot faster than normal. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like the picks were rolling. I mean, we, we hit the run of trades there for a little bit, but I mean, it just felt like the first round just rolled on through. And I say that, but we recorded right after and it felt like it, the first round didn't end to like midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but day two and day three took forever. It like day two, especially like pick 54 came we didn't trade back so we weren't gonna have a third round pick and it just felt like the third round took forever like I was just watching it and I don't know if it was just like my depression because I knew we didn't have a pick in the third round or what but man like it it just felt like it took forever then day three man like it started at noon ended at seven like what the the heck (laughs) like it just kept on going man like fourth fifth sixth seventh round taking seven hours man like but hey like it's over we we finally know no more questions about who we're gonna draft we have it in front of us yeah and i can tell you it was like it was a surreal moment because we all cover the draft we've all done our homework for the longest time and just to finally sit back and watch where everyone goes it I don't know if it, it was it was a feel good moment if you're like big into draft stuff and you did your homework and everything. So, oh man, I mean, it it was a real surreal moment. I'll just I'll just say that first and foremost, guys. So, also don't don't forget we are the official podcast of Fansided. Oh, I actually forgot to put that in there. So sorry, Fansided. I'll be better next time. Uh, but guys, we gotta we gotta get into a lot of stuff here. We gotta break down the picks, talk about winners and losers from the draft, talk about undrafted free agents. We gotta get into all of that stuff. So starting with the number 21 overall pick, Quiddy Pay. I think we were all excited for the pick. Uh, when he was there on the board, we all kind of knew that he would be the pick. It would have to take a lot 
for Chris Ballard to trade back. And he said the value just wasn't good enough. So Quiddy Pay is now our defensive end. We assume he will start day one. So strong in the run game, uh, very thick, very explosive. We all know about his three cone time being better than Tyreek Hill. And guys, what you know, let's break down the pick here. How do we think Quiddy Pay, not just in his rookie, but going forward in his career, will help the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, I mean, I think Quiddy Pay, the biggest thing about it is for Ballard not to trade back from a pick and try to gain more picks down the road in a year where he didn't have a big haul. I mean, that tells you a lot about how the brass looked at the player. Um, I think when you just look at all of our boards, I think he was the guy that on a short list of three or four players that I would not be willing to trade back from 21 either. Um, so when he was on the, on the clock, on the board still, if we would have taken anybody else, even as much as I love Joe Tryon, if you follow me on Twitter or listen to us here, um, or Dylan Raddins, who I liked a lot, like I would have been heartbroken if we would have left Quiddy Pay on the board. I couldn't believe he wasn't the first edge taken. Um, I like Jalen Phillips a lot. I think he could end up being a great player. But with all the concerns that he has medically and other things like that, and just Quiddy Pay's floor as a prospect just being so much higher. I was shocked to see him not be the first edge taken in this class. Um, I'm just glad he's a cult. Um, I, I'm just glad we're going to be able to use the word pay and so many different puns that are just going to drive people nuts for the next decade and a half. Um, I, I'm excited, man. Yeah, Rashad was supposed to already start copywriting some uh, slogans we could use. Uh, how, how is that going, Rashad? Uh, I absolutely did not get started on that yet, and I won't be doing it because we need to get off to a good foot with Quiddy Pay, and I don't want to take something that he's probably going to brand for himself. So, all right, man, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. We spoke about it, so I'm going to be brief because, you know, we did the emergency podcast really right after the first round, and a lot of our immediate reactions and thoughts are on there. So if y'all haven't checked that out yet, please feel free to go back and listen to the last episode. But Quitty pay man of traits is there. Like, like Dustin and Mike spoke on the, the three cone, the, the 40 yard dash. Like he has the traits, the athletic, the freakish athletic ability to be a great pass rusher. He's not quite there yet as far as his development goes. But like Dustin said, his, his run game ability is right. Immediate impact. Day one, he's a three down defensive end for the Indianapolis Colts with the ability to move inside if he's asked to do that with our second round pick that we're going to touch on in a second. He may not be requested to go inside as much as we thought he would be when he was selected in the first round because now we have a guy that, that can be an absolute stud inside in, that we drafted in the second round at 54. But I love Quiddy, and I got a chance to hear his story. Uh, absolutely amazing story. With, with him and his brother and his mom went through shows – amazing character the scouts spoke on his character saying he was one of the best guys they ever evaluated as far as character goes so man i'm excited to have him i know frank wright's a big character guy chris bell is a big character guy and they want that locker room to be in great shape and like i said i think they want that locker room to be like that when they get closer to making a Super Bowl run and they bring in that guy that may not be the greatest character, but is a type talent that'll put us over the top, the locker room will be able to deal with it. And it starts with guys like Quiddy Pay. Yeah, Quiddy Pay, I mean, look, everything they went through, of course, we don't wish that on anybody. No. Uh, obviously not. You just 
can't help but honestly man once i started digging more because i didn't know too much about his backstory i'm, I'm gonna be honest i didn't dig too much uh just watched his film but once i saw all that man i mean i'm not gonna lie man i teared up i'm just like man to, to go from that that's like one in a million yeah if we're being honest and the fact that he was able to do that his mom is retired now uh, i think that's all of our dream i mean he's the guy that i think is just the perfect character like you said rashad Ballard and Reich are looking for, and they found him. I mean, this guy has the potential to be very, very great in this league. So moving on to the next pick. Oh, man, the next pick, number 54 overall. Uh, Rashad, you and I were with Marcus and the guys on on live stream. Uh, we we it, it was a roller coaster getting to number 54. There was so much talent on the board. Samuel Cosme, Dylan Raddins, Terrace Marshall, uh, Dio. I mean, J- Jeremiah Owosu, Kamora, I believe that's uh, how you Kevin, pronounce it. There Kevin was just, Jenkins. Kevin Jenkins. There was so much talent that we just – I didn't think we would that would be there. So – we get there to number 54. Sam Cosme's off the board. Raddins is off the board, although there's speculation that the Titans just took him just so the Colts wouldn't. Um, I'm, a, I'm not going to lie, man. If you haven't read it already, I hated the pick. I hated it so much. I'm I still mean, waiting to hear you pronounce his name. I mean, you're not even going to give the dude his name. You're just going to start talking about him? I, I just said it. Uh, Dio. Hey, you got, right. you got it right. You got, you, got his, you got his first name right. I mean, it's better than the, how I was hearing you pronounce it at first. I mean, here's the thing. I'll, I'll talk about him first because I feel like Man. I'm going to have a little bit more of a – I'm going to talk <laughs> about him first because I feel like I'm going to have a little bit more of a positive light about it because I've allowed myself to grow on this pick a little bit more than I think you guys have. Um, and then I'm going to let you guys do what you got to do with it. But So when the pick first came, I was shocked. Um, the biggest part of it was when you watched three tackles go off in the five picks before the Colts. I mean, that was heartbreaking. That sucked. Um, as I said earlier, loved me some Dylan Radden's tape. He goes the pick before us to the Titans. Wanted to that throw didn't something. Me at all. I, I wanted to throw something. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty upset. I was pretty but, happy. So all that goes down. The, the pick goes in almost immediately. Um, at 54 that, that was the part that shocked me at first um, you see the pick just go right in I was expecting a trade back after all the tackles went um, when the when there wasn't a trade back I was like holy crap whoever this is is the only person I'm seeing the Colts take today it was just that realization finally going through my head and then his name pops up on the screen you see another edge um, edge slash interior guy and I think the entire Colts fan base was in shock that they really didn't take a tackle. They really didn't take a different position than the first round. So at first, I was I was very confused. I spent the entire rest of the second, third round just watching his tape. Had, had it on my laptop while the draft was going on. Um, like I said, I knew the Colts weren't going to pick again, so I was just diving in. And the dude was explosive before the injury, like ridiculously explosive. For a guy that's most likely going to have to translate – to where he's mostly going to play interior at the next level. Uh, it's going to be ridiculous. And then you go back and look at the tape when for DeForest Buckner had to take some snaps off or he missed a game because of COVID. 
Um, there was just nobody else, even Autry, that had that level of explosion that could play the interior for the Colts when Buckner wasn't on the field. And I think that may might have sparked this pick, might have sparked that need. Um, the injury is what I, I had him getting drafted in the late third, early fourth. Um, if you go look at my big board, that's that's where I had him um, round wise. Now, would I have taken him at fifty four, looking at the injury? No. Am I excited to see him on the field? Though I really am. Um, I, I understand this is going to affect some some other guys that are currently on the roster getting playing time, um, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, man, if, if he's able to come in and be that first guy off the bench, um, basically off the, like, off the second unit to be able to come in when Buckner needs a rest uh, and to be able to swing out to the edge when you need somebody of his power and just – crazy athleticism and man has long arms he's he, i just think he's going to be an easy translation to the nfl if he recovers from that injury um a lot of medical people coming out about the torn achilles saying it's not as big of a deal um for the his position type um and, and someone his young his age so i mean we'll see um whenever i hear tor achilles I, I get a little bit antsy i don't i don't I like that i don't like achilles injuries um but apparent apparently some people so a lot smarter than me believe that it's an injury that he'll be able to recover back to a hundred percent. Wait, so a torn Achilles is not important at his position. That's down on fours exploding from your calf and hey, your hips. I'm not telling you what I said. I'm just saying, I mean, I, mean, no, no, we, no, no, I, I get what you're saying, but it's just like, who are those people? Have they ever played a defensive line position before? Like, I mean, the director of player personnel for the Colts, we 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 were in an interview with yeah. him. You heard it. Yeah. You, you heard it from him. You guys can go listen to it on our YouTube channel. I mean, he he dove into it a little bit when he was asked. Like he he basically broke down the fact that nowadays and the rehabs that people have, especially for younger players, they oh, almost yeah. always get back to a hundred percent. Um, and well, that was a shock for me to hear, just because I, whenever I hear a torn Achilles, I just always feel like a guy loses a step. I just really do. Whenever they come back from that recovery, it just never feels like they're a hundred percent anymore. Um, but like I said, a lot of people who seem to be smarter than me in the situation feel to believe that he's going to get back to a hundred percent fairly quickly. I'll let Rashad get in here real quick. Uh, Achilles injury is a serious injury. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent guaranteed. I spent most of my life living with a, a, a defensive end, you know, and he strained his Achilles once. And the toll that it took, you know, even when he was medically cleared and it was 100 percent, supposedly still didn't quite feel like he was at 100 percent when he was playing on it. And it wasn't until several months later where actually the season ended. He started to, you know, feel like he did get that explosion again. But he did. He did regain it. But it never was. You know, it wasn't torn like Dale was going through a dial. Abadego. Is that it? I'm not going to lie. I will not ever try to say his last name. Okay. Um, I, I, I know for a fact his first name is spelled it, – it is pronounced as if you were looking at it D-Y-E hyphen O. So it's Dio. Dio. Okay. So, but about the pick, um, who's doing a live stream, a live reaction stream? Me, Michael, uh, Marcus, Eric, and uh, a couple other people maybe. Yeah. When the pick came in, and and we have the video. We never put the video out because we just didn't want it to give a negative connotation that we wasn't excited about the pick. 
but we we was literally silent for about a minute straight. That's a long time to be silent during a live stream with actual people in it watching us. We were silent for about a minute straight, and my son screamed like in the middle of the in the middle of the pick while I was waiting, and I wanted to scream with him. I was in total shock. I hated the pick. I just didn't didn't like it considering what our needs was at the time. But as I gave myself time and I went back and did some homework on Dio and dropped him in our defense as it's currently constructed, we was just talking earlier about being in nickel most of the time. And I think that's when you'll see him really unleashed. Whenever we're in nickel, whenever Grover comes off the field and we're able to get a second pass rusher on side of Buckner, which Buckner never had here in Indianapolis. Like you see, when Grover comes off the field, it's it's no production from the defensive tackle position unless it's Buckner. Now you have two guys with that kind of length, one six seven, one six five, both guys extremely long arms. I was watching footage of Dio splitting double teams like it wasn't nothing, and that was in the SEC, so it wasn't like he was playing trash. He played against some top notch competition. Now his team didn't do, didn't win much at Vanderbilt at all. I don't even think they won a game last season, but. The way he was dominating other grown men at guard and center, I'm not expecting him to be a dominant edge rusher for us. He's going to do his damage at defensive tackle in passing situations. For you to get that type of production at defensive tackle and have Quiddy pay at defensive end, along with whoever you want to put on the other end, whether it's Teray, whether it's Banagoo, whether it's Taquan Lewis, who I doubt would be at defensive end in those situations, that's going to be four guys that can really get home. And if y'all don't know, the Colts, they only sent four. We're, we're one of the least blitzing teams in the NFL, so it's, it's adamant that we get pressure with four guys when we're playing that soft cover zone. And I hate the zone defense person. But if you're going to run it, you have to run four people that can get after the quarterback. That is essential in that defense. And it's the only way for that defense to really succeed. Because if you don't got guys that can get after the quarterback, the quarterback's going to pick that zone apart. I mean, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I hate the zone as much, if not more than you, Rashad. Uh, <laughs> I, I you hated did. the pick. I absolutely hated the pick. I thought it would be Terrace Marshall. Uh, we know he was high on the Colts board. Uh, we did not know how high Dio was on their board. So I studied Dio for like maybe 30 minutes, if I'm being honest, because digging through there, I'm like, man, this guy's actually doing good. And then I read a scouting report. Oh, he tore his Achilles. I'm like, okay, so scratch that out. I literally just said, I said, okay, scratch that out. He's probably going to be a, a late day two pick at, at best. But to hear his name called, I mean, I was angry because it kind of hearing Ballard for four months talk about Ben Banigou, Kamoko Toure, and Taekwon Lewis, how big of a year it is, how much trust they have in them. It, it pissed me off because what you're doing in the draft is not showing you believe in them. It, it's not. Obviously, you needed to get Quiddy Pay. We all we all knew that was the biggest need. Um, but for for Dio, I mean, that was that that was a shocker, man. That was a shocker. I mean, I did not um I did not expect that. So just for the player, I do think he fits at defensive tackle. Does he have the bend to play defensive end? I don't know, but the athleticism, the strength, 
I mean, I think he's better coming straight at you than coming around you. That's that's what I saw when I went back and studied more film after the pick was made. Uh, so, yeah, I think defensive tackle is perfect uh, for the Achilles injury. Obviously, we don't expect him uh, to be any seen anywhere in training camp, obviously. Uh, he'll be on the pup list for much of 2021, if not all of it. And 2022, we can't really grade this pick until 2022, the end of it. So the next pick, obviously, there was no trade back that we all had hoped for. But Kylan Granson from SMU, a tight end. He is now an Indianapolis Colt, fourth round. And guys, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. This is also another guy I didn't do much study on. I, I just didn't think it would be that much of, a, uh, of an interest because uh, obviously we all went through the names at tight end. We went through all the names. And I mean, that that's surprising. I mean, Granson over Yaboa and uh, some other guys that were on the board, that was surprising to me. But seeing how good of a rut, route runner he is, his cuts are really nice for a tight end. He's not that big, uh, but there was also a thing out there saying he had drop issues. I also tweeted that out. And it came from when I scouted a game against Cincinnati, and that was possibly the worst game of his career at SMU. And that's that's where I took that take from. So then I heard him say on the press conference that it was just an anomaly. I'm not even sure if I said that right, but it was just a one-game thing. I went back at other games, and I'm like, man, I'm not seeing too much of that. So I've backed off of that claim that I tweeted out. So, guys – where are you at uh, with this Kylan Granson pick? I mean, I I like to pick a lot. So, I mean, I he's a guy that was just out of my top 200. Um, he was in the – I believe he was 206. Um, the reason being that I just felt like, again, I didn't make my rankings based off the Colts. Um, I, I always make my rankings fully based off of all, overall prospects. And some of these other receiving tight ends – offered a lot more in the run game, offered a lot more as blockers. Um, but the thing with Granson, I mean, you're getting a strictly pass-catching tight end. And to me, I mean, that's that's what we've been hearing all offseason that the Colts wanted to add. Um, I mean, sure, I mean, maybe we would like for them to be a little bit bigger. Um, he's a guy who's just under 6'2". Um, he's about 225, I believe he was, um, weight-wise. And – He's probably going to have to add some weight at the next level. But when you watch his film, you don't see many tight ends with this crisp of breaks in their routes at this age, um, just coming right out of the draft. And he, he's able to create so much separation just right off the break. Um, you're not going to be able to put many linebackers on him at the next level. Um, even though he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people were expecting, I almost guarantee you he's going to have playing time early next year because of the fact that they wanted to fill this hole specifically. Um, they have Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox to be able to come in and be blockers and be good at it. And then you're going to have Granson be able to come out and there's going to be times that he lines up on the outside. I, I think he's going to get used a lot in the red zone. And I'm excited for it. I really am. Um, I, I think you see his route running the best in the red zone on his tape just because it's such short yardage breaks. That he's allowed – he's able just to make some of these linebackers look silly. 
and I'm excited for it. I really am. Um, and I know he's not the name we, we were speaking on the entire year, basically during this draft process. Um, and some people may have thought round four was a little bit early for him, but if the production comes out, I think it's going to be a steal. Um, I'm going to speak about what I didn't like about it first, because it's, it's not very much. I didn't like about it. Um, granted, my only concern is his size. Like Dustin spoke on earlier, he's about six one and, and three quarters. So you can say he's six two. I mean, it's not a reach to say that he's six foot two. Uh, he does need to add weight, but but I think he does have the frame to put on the weight. It's different if you see a guy and he's pretty much maxed out in his frame, but I think he he can stand to add pounds and add weight and still keep his speed. Now, another the only other thing that I didn't like about the pick was that Brevin Jordan was still on the board, and I know he tested poorly and Chris Ballard really don't do guys that test poorly like if you athletically if you don't show that you're among mid to elite then then he's not gonna he's not gonna take a chance on you and I know in the later rounds you really post if you're gonna bet you bet on athletes and so that's why I'm glad he did go with Granson in in the end now I watched um a little bit of his tape once once we selected him and I text uh Dustin and Mike and I was like this gives me Trey Burton type vibe. Like he got a Trey Burton type feel. I can see him filling that role almost immediately. The the amount of separation he gets on his breaks, whether it's out routes or it's over routes, he gets separation, man. He linebackers will struggle to guard him one-on-one in passing situations. I can see him running those, those over routes and, and the underneath stuff as well as the deep seam ball. I think he's going to be a great seam guy and Carson Wentz loves to throw seam routes as we saw he did over and over with Zach Ertz so I think that's going to be a bigger help than what people really realize that he's the guy that's going to give immediate production I think and I think there's a role for him on this team right now and he's the perfect third tight end to add to that tight end room with Mo Cox and Jack Doyle I wouldn't be surprised if he like if he's utilizing an H-back type just to get him the ball Mm -hmm. early uh, you know, lining up behind the left tackle, behind the right tackle, and then it's a screen set up for him. And your left left, left tackle guard and center just go out and just block for him. So I would actually love to see that. Uh, so we, th- I, I think we all agree that, you know, Wright got his guy. Now, again, there's still a situation in Philadelphia that I think they are still monitoring. Uh, I don't think anything's going to happen soon. Howie Roseman is just being so difficult. Um, so... We'll see how that goes with Zach Ertz. But the next pick is definitely one that I was already heartbroken before the pick was made because two picks prior, Derek Forrest and Jamar Johnson were taken at the safety position. Both of them were taken. When I saw Ron Rivera say Derek Forrest, I was a little bit happy because he's going to an NFC team that I'm going to support and root for this year in Washington. I love that fit. And then Jamar Johnson went to Denver. I'm just like, Denver, how many safeties do you need? How many secondary players do you need? Like, damn, man, like get an offensive line or something. (laughs) That that broke my heart, man. I was just like, golly, where are we going to go now? And then Sean Davis is the pick from the University of Florida. Obviously, you know, playing with guys like Marco Wilson and LM, who's going to be in the draft next year. I mean, the vibes that I got from, from Sean Davis. As a tackler, very, very inconsistent. Very inconsistent as a tackler. And again, he's being drafted in the fifth round for a reason, not a first round pick. 
Uh, coverage, I actually do like his angles in coverage a little bit. You know, when they were playing Ole Miss, LSU, Alabama, I thought he had some really good angles on deep balls and uh, sideline uh, throws. I thought his angles were good. His eyes were disciplined. But in terms of, you know, being in the box, uh, the tackling form and everything, a lot of inconsistent, you know, I, I man, I got scared a couple of times watching his tape because I thought he was going to have a neck injury or something, man. He leaves with his head a lot. So I'm very interested to see how that develops with him. But I, I like the player. I like the pick. I like the value for it. Uh, it wasn't my guy, James Wiggins. So I'm not going to give it an A, but I think he's the safety that the Colts were looking for. Uh, there were many of these guys on there. Okay. I think all of us were probably hoping for Jacoby Stevens or something like that, but Davis is certainly a solid value at in the fifth round. So Destin, where are you at with uh, Sean Davis? I mean, we got two Sean Davises now, so it's going to be hard uh, when roster cuts are made to find out which one it was. <laughs> Thankfully, the first name spelled differently, um, so that'll help us out a little bit. But so for anyone listening that thinks I, I'm just been too positive, I mean, here's here's a little bit of a run on some of these picks that I'm going to have some pullback on. So there was a little bit of a run on safeties before and after the pick at 165 uh, with Sean Davis. Um, as you mentioned, we saw um, Jamar Johnson go right before us. You saw DeForest. Um, you, you saw Forrest go right before us to Washington. There was there were two guys on on the board still that I didn't feel like should have been there. Um, one of them kind of went almost right after us, and that was um, Hamza Nazaruddin from Florida State. Love his game, man. Um, I just think he's so versatile. I think he's he was able to play just about everywhere um, in the secondary. I even thought he was going to be able to play a little bit of box safety kind of role at the next level. But so like him being there still, Jacoby Stevens that you mentioned still being there. I just I just felt like when I watched Sean Davis, I just don't see the same caliber of guy. Um, player wise. Um, but Hey, that's just me. That's my scouting. The Colts have been right on a lot of things I've disliked in the past. Um, but as you said, I just don't really think Sean Davis is the best tackler. Um, he doesn't do a really great job of tracking the ball, um, as a safety, um, after the ball is in a ball carrier's hand is what I'm saying. Um, so his tack, his being able to track those tackles, being able to find the best routes to the tackler. Um, I, I, he, to me, there's just going to be a lot of things that are going to be coached out of him. Um, listening to his interview and listening to the Colts talk about him a lot, um, he sounds like a very coachable player. Um, sounds like a guy who's ready to play football, ready to hit guys hard, and that's going to that's gonna be something that this defense is going to like having. But with so many other guys there, um, I, I was all for taking a safety there. I knew they were going to want to add a safety in this draft. I just felt like there were so many other guys that would have been higher caliber players that shouldn't have been there in round five, in my opinion, that they could have taken that kind of made the pick a little bit – left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. A couple of things about Sean Davis. Uh, what I do like is I, I like the way that he slices. Like he slices through to make plays in a run game, but he don't square up and make tackles. He just throws his shoulder, uh, uh, like Dustin said, Mike said. He'll lean with his helmet. Like, very dangerous, you know, very dangerous. It's easy to get hurt that way, and it's also easy to break tackles when you tackle like that. If you, if you don't square up and drive your shoulder, then, you know, you're, you're tackling improperly. So that 
is something like Dustin said needs to be coached out of him. Uh, I do like the angles he take when the ball is in the air. I, I, and I see him high point footballs. I've seen that on a couple of his uh, highlights. I've seen him high point the football and go up and make a play on it. But he's not the fastest guy. And it seems like the best role for him is, is playing a coverage safety, sideline to sideline. But when you don't have the speed to do that, you have to take perfect angles. You can't, you can't afraid to break late because you don't have that cushion. You don't have that elite speed to make up for it whenever, you, you know, whenever you're behind. So if he don't almost time it perfectly, then he's not physically gifted enough to get there. But I think he can be coached up well. And if they're, they're able to coach him to take better angles on players, he, he's willing to do the tackling, which is what I like. I like the fact that he's willing to try. It's not like he's out there making business decisions and letting guys run by him and just throwing an arm out there. He's trying to make the play. He's just it, It's just the techniques is not right. The technique's not right, and, and luckily that's something that can be coached. As long as you have a player that's willing to put in the work and is trying to get better every day, I think he can be a solid pick for us, a special team guy from day one, and hopefully he can develop into something more. So, Michael, real quick, do you have anything else to say on Sean Davis? Because if not, I feel the need to be the one to announce the next pick the Colts made. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think I have anything else. Not, not really that I can think of. Uh, I mean, like you said, there were some guys that were on the board that we thought shouldn't be there, but I've been adamant during the draft, draft process that guys are going to fall to places we didn't think they were going to be. I mean, that's just how the draft is every year. Uh, the tight end room was that for me last year and this year. I mean, safety's dropping. I mean, I know our boy Zach Hicks was upset that Jacoby Stevens uh, was there in the sixth round, but – Oh, man. I mean, my guy, Ardarius Washington, didn't go drafted. James Wiggins. I mean, man, y'all are killing me, NFL. But that's the last thing I have on, on Sean Davis. So, yeah, the next pick the Colts made, um, you guys mentioned being shocked at pick 54. I oh, was boy. flabbergasted. And, man, that, 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 that's the only word choice I can use, man. Like, round six – the Colts trade back with New Orleans, the first trade back um, of the entire class. They trade back in the sixth, gain a seventh to get that seventh player in this class. And they take Sam Ellinger, quarterback out of Texas. So, I mean, guys, Colts fans have given me a lot of crap because they, they say that I act like I know more than Ballard because I said it's the worst pick of the, the whole entire draft. But I've been tweeting for months that that would be the case. I didn't care who we went to. I didn't care what round it was. If a team drafted Sam Ellinger, that was the worst pick of the entire NFL draft. I'm not going to back down from that statement just because the Colts drafted him. That's how I true. I, I just don't see now you gotta own it. any upside to Ellinger's game as a quarterback. I mean, is he mobile? Yeah, but he has no arm to me. Like when I watch it, like he just doesn't have an arm to be able to make those sideline throws you need. Um, I don't think he's going to be a guy that can ever really develop into a true starting quarterback. And I just didn't see the point. I mean, they keep the, the front office keeps talking about how much they like him as a person, his personality. They feel like he just has that winning personality and Hey, maybe that matters more as a backup than I think it does, but I hated the pick. Um, I couldn't give it any more than an F. 
Um, I just feel like that's where I would put it. Um, I just did not like it. I was, I was sitting there silent for multiple minutes. I just couldn't believe it happened. I saw it first on Twitter. Um, I, I believe it was Rappaport that tweeted it first and then Schefter. And I was like, man, these guys really got punked by Barry um, on Twitter somehow, <laughs> some way. I don't know how else this happened. Like, there's no way the Colts are going to take him. I put my phone down, let it pop up on the screen. And I just had to sit there and marinate in the fact that the Colts drafted Sam Ellinger. It was it was a sad day for old Destin guys. It was. I mean, I, I wasn't ready for it. wasn't prepared for it. Still don't like it. Still not prepared for it. I'll I'll say this on uh, Sam Ellinger. Okay, <laughs> I have paid close attention to Sam Ellinger for five years. Uh, his senior year at Austin Westlake. I'm literally just about thirty minutes away from Austin. Clearly knew a lot about him. Uh, he was supposed to be the next savior of the Texas uh, program <laughs> and what a laughing stop that became. I enjoyed it as a TCU fan. Um, but I remember just watching him when, you know, we would play Texas or when I would watch the red river rivalry. I mean, to, to your point, Destin, I just didn't see the arm strength. I, I, I didn't, there were some great catches by his receivers, but just a horrible throw, horrible accuracy. I mean, Colin Johnson, DuVernay. I mean, these guys were making better catches than Ellinger was throws. And that's a credit to their uh, skill. With Sam, man, I mean, I think, I think. Now, this is really hard to go from disliking him for four years to now having to root for him. Uh, You love everything about the kid, obviously. Uh, stands for everything you probably want him to stand for. Uh, the leader, I mean, no one's questioning his leadership abilities, a captain at the University of Texas. Uh, I mean, I just, I mean, why, why, why waste the draft pick on a guy that that's, I don't think is going to challenge Jacob Eason. I mean, there, there's questions about Jacob Eason now, but what is Sam Ellinger gonna do i mean what is he gonna do could there be ways to help his game out but i don't think so because if you're a quarterback with no arm you can't be helped you can't i mean no strength i mean if he wants to throw a crosser or a drag route okay but i think if if we're gonna try and coach him up get him out of the pocket get him on the run get him in play action get him in bootleg whatever or bootleg really Get him on the run. I feel like he's better. He's at his best when he's on the run making the throw. Uh, clearly, I think if he was to win a backup job, short yarded situations, uh, as an athlete, uh, he's, a, he's a good runner. But, I mean, I love I love him as the player. I always have loved him as um, even as a rival fan. But I don't I, – I really don't understand what the pick was for. Uh, right like here. you've always loved him, I've always hated him. So I mean, maybe, maybe we're, we're we're similar there, you know. <laughs> no, I've hated the player because I'm a TCU fan. But as the kid, you just can't oh, help. I but... have no, I have nothing against the dude. I mean, yeah, I mean, you just saw that no matter how bad the game was, this team in Texas rallied around this guy, and that's what a buddy of mine told me, uh, who played for him for three years and now is in Tampa Bay on the practice squad. This is a guy you want to play for. This is a guy you want to walk on the field with. 
I mean, that that's the bottom line. Regardless of how other people think, this is a guy you're going to want to be in the same room with. This is a guy you're going to want to go to war with. So that's the kind of player uh, and person, leader, that Sam Ellinger is. Um, forget really how I feel about the pick. I mean, it's a six-round pick. You took a late-round fly on a quarterback. It's it's not really a big deal. As big a deal as people is making it seem to be. I'd rather much rather spend my time touching on what Chris Ballard had to say about him, you know, saying that he had the it factor, you know, whatever it is that people was looking for, this kid has it, you know, and it's kind of to what Michael said, you know, what, what his former teammate told him, you know, guys really gravitate toward this guy. You know, he gets the most out of his teammates. His teammates really want to play hard. And there's something to say about that. You know, like you want those type of guys to be leaders on your team. That's a big question about Carson Wentz. You know, it was a big deal. People, different reports coming out about how teammates feel about him, but Everybody that I've heard from that have came out and spoken has spoken highly about Carson Wentz. But back to Sam Ellinger. Um, really talented kid as far as what he can do when he's improv You know, like when a play breaks down, he can make plays with his legs. He can run around and, and make throws. As long as you're keeping it real simple for him as far as what he's doing to run the ball, he can be successful. If he's hitting his first read, if it's a pretty much a schemed up play where, where it's designed to go to a specific guy and he can get the ball he can make those type of plays i i think this is nothing more than than a practice squad guy who will be running the practice the practice and the scout team i meant to say and i, I don't really think we should dive that deep into it you know a lot of people are losing their mind thinking okay this guy is, is going to replace jacob Beeson. but what i can say is though i've heard Chris Ballard say more positive things about Sam Ellinger in one interview than he said about Jacob Beeson in a, in a whole year since he's been yeah. on our team, which is kind of concerning. I do. I do want to speak on that. And that's why it's so weird that Chris Ballard has said, we don't even know if he's the backup. Uh, clearly you want to bring in competition, but Sam Ellinger's the competition. I mean, l- like you said, I think he earned the right to, um, I think you earned the right to get drafted, but Chris, I mean, this is the guy that this is the guy that he brought uh, to the team. I mean, I would have taken Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest. Well, really coming out of Georgia, but for some reason he didn't play after transferring. So um, I would have taken him to bring competition because at least his arm is more accurate downfield. And he's a little, he's a better athlete than Sam Ellinger. I would have been all for that, but that, that is also concerning, man. I mean, he's had, it sounds like he has more questions about Jacob than he does Sam. That's what it sounds like initially, but of course the GM's going to up play, play up the, the, the draft pick, of course, but I, yeah, I mean, hey, we, we can move Chris on. To the Ballard, next Chris Ballard was way more positive about Ellinger this year in the press conference than he was about Eason last year. He right. took, and he took Eason two rounds earlier. Um, but we can roll into the next two, but I just had to say that like Bauer is definitely more excited to get Ellinger well, think, where he got him than where Easton, I, where he got Easton. Well, I think it was two, also two different scenarios because with Sam, you already have your quarterback in Carson Wentz. You already have your backup in Jacob Easton. But last year, everyone was thinking, oh man, Jacob Easton's the guy he's going to come in. He's going to 
outplay Phillip Rivers, but Chris Ballard knew, hey, let's settle the talk down on that. I don't think there's any talk with Sam, but I just wanted to point that out. I think it was two different scenarios, but I mean, he is still talking highly of Sam Ellinger. So the next, uh, the next pick we're going to make, guys. So the next one, Mike Strachan. I, I believe that's what his name from Charleston. I mean, real quick, did any of us know anything about him before his name was called? No, because I 100 percent didn't. Never heard of him. So I'll just be honest. Like I went and watched a little bit. There's not much tape you can find on him, um, just yeah. because it's he, he went to Charleston. Um, so you're not going to really find much other than a little bit of highlights you see, and it looks like high school filming. I'm about um, to say that. On but, I, I just want to talk about <laughs> this dude's measurements. Holy crap. Yeah. At 6'5", ran a sub 4'5", 40. Um, says that the Colts scout clocked him in at 4'4", it sounds like, is what the Colts are saying they had him at. Um, I believe his official time that's being listed is 4'5", 2". Um, huge. 6'5". Um, the thing that is the craziest to me is he has an 85-inch wingspan, which translates to seven foot exactly. So he has a <laughs> seven-foot wingspan. Like, oh, my gosh. I don't even know what seven-foot arms look like on a 6'5", <laughs> man. Like, what the heck is that? Um, um, apparently, he is a family friend of Michael Irving. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, from what I've seen on tape, I mean, he's a guy who plays – he, to me, when I watch him, I feel like he plays like a little bit like a smaller receiver than he actually is, um, which I feel like can be used as a strength the next level. Um, but just grading the pick, I mean, as soon as I saw the 85-inch wingspan, I love the pick. I mean, round seven flyer on a guy, this is the kind of receiver you want to take a flyer on in the seventh round because, oh, my gosh. Um, I won't get over the seven-foot wingspan in, until the day he's cut from the Colts somehow, some way. Um, but he's going to end up being a Hall of Famer, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I think as, uh, like like you said, playing a little bit smaller, I just think that's something that Mike Groh is going to have to work with him a little bit on, on how to, you know, use your body as a receiver. And that's just, if the coaching staff even cares enough to work on that with him, that, that that's just the thing. Is he just here just to be here? Or are we actually going to put forth the effort, spend extra time after practice with him to teach him some of this stuff? So I, I like the pick. Um, bring some competition for the practice squad because clearly he's going to be on the practice squad. We have a loaded wide receiver room right now. Uh, I like his potential. Clearly, I'm not thinking number one or number two, but I mean, the speed, I think it's good for his size. Obviously, the wingspan, jump ball guy, uh, explosive. I know Ballard and those guys like those explosive receivers. So, yeah, I, I don't have any complaints about this pick practice squad guy who could probably give someone a run for their money uh ashton doolin you might be in trouble here but um yeah i, li I like the pick overall glad none of y'all mentioned this but uh i think with that pick chris Ballard was saying desmond Patton, you need to step up similar size guy similar speed wise you know i think uh, they they say they like his route tree a little bit more than where where patman's was which is hard to believe considering you know the level of talent that each one was playing against and, and who who was coaching each individual. But I think that was a, a warning sign to Desmond Patman. Like, you know, not that we need you to come in and, and be a star, but we need you to make this team. Like, th this is your challenge is to make the active roster, to, to be a part of the 53-man. 
as we know, we've discussed it, me and Des Destin discussed it, and Michael, I believe, about the Colts like to take six wide receivers on their active roster. So Desmond Patman need to be doing all he can to be a part of that six. Him and Michael Pittman this offseason has been joined by the hip. He's worked out several times with Carson Wentz, so I think he does have that in his favor, getting the, kind of getting the timing down. And I think Desmond will make the roster, you know, and I think um, Michael probably be a practice squad guy. But I think they'll have similar body types just in case, you know, one develops – who knows? You may hit on one of these guys and then you got yourself a physical freak at wide receiver. So I, I just really think it's that he, he's going to push Desmond Patton into the next level because that's somebody that they expect. They took him around the same time. One guy was a seven rounder. One guy's a six rounder. So, you know, they were developmental guys from the gate. And when you bet late in the draft, you bet on athletes. We, we spoke about that earlier. Shout out to my man, Zach Hicks. So, do you guys think that he's just going to keep taking these lottery ticket, big body receivers until one works? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of like Absolutely. he's buying scratchers. It really does. It feels like he's buying those scratcher ticker tickets and he's just trying to see one of, one of them hit. Uh, I mean, Patman also, he basically had a red shirt year last year. Um, but I mean, I feel like that's just what this felt like is he's just a little, he's the perfect scratcher to just spend $5 on and hope you're going to make a hundred on. Um, we'll see what happens. Hey man, uh, I think there was a chance that Doris Fountain had a high ceiling, but of course that horrible injury in training camp really set him back. Hey, back. I, I was at training camp that year, almost every day um, on the field, a couple of the days, but in the stands, even some of the ones I wasn't on the field and there were, Throughout training camp, he was the second best receiver on the field. He was making DBs look silly. Man, it just sucks that injuries suck, man. It's the worst part of this sport. It's the worst part of all sports. I'm just seeing young guys' careers get derailed like that. I really hope he gets a chance somewhere. It's the same injury as Kamoko Toure, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Ankle, like fractured, right? I believe so. It was like a. I believe both were an ankle, but Darius, I believe, was just a non-contact one. He planted his foot in just the worst luck possible, and Kamoko Toure actually got held up in a play, a live game, and that uh, unfortunately happened. But It's like Deion Kane, another late-round receiver that yeah, suffered yeah. the oh, injury, man. Totally. It, it's Something about those late-round receivers for us get injured, and, and, and it seems like it happens when he was shining in that preseason, Deion Kane, and all through training camp, I should say. He was shining, man. And yeah. then preseason came and it was unfortunate. Next thing you know, he was gone. It, 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 something about late-round receivers with us, man. He can't catch a break. Yeah. So the next part, uh, last pick of our draft class, uh, Will Fries, offensive tackle from Penn State. I don't see this nothing more as a camp body uh, who will be – possibly released or make the practice squad i'm gonna be honest man i don't know who the hell this is i didn't study him so, so. i mean I, so i watched a little bit about him i mean he's okay. a guy he because he he was on a list of guys that i watched that he was a very versatile type of lineman like he played almost every spot on the line but center last year i believe played the left side played the right side um we, we, we talked a little bit with um, Kevin Rogers, the um, director of player personnel for the Colts, and he mentioned that they see him more as a guard, um, which is probably correct. Uh, like when you watch his skill set, when you watch him just make contact with a defender, he just has a guard mentality when he plays. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, 
it's, it's going to be a full-on competition for a lot of these depth linemen spots. Um, I still – I don't think this is the solution to the left tackle by any means. They're probably going to sign a veteran in the next coming days. Um, maybe before, maybe tomorrow as you guys are listening to this episode, somehow, some way, the Colts have already signed the tackle. Who knows? Right. Yep. Rashad, and, do you have anything to say on uh, Mr. Fries? Um, you know, I think he, I think he has a legit chat at – at making the roster, well, at least competing to make the roster. I, I like our depth at guard, though. I came front. I, I do like Reed. I like Pinter. You know, um, we have Hunt. So, you know, he's going to have a difficult time making a roster. I think we're a lot deeper at guard than we are at tackle. So, you know, it's going to be difficult for him. It's a seventh-round pick. So, you know, it, with those type of guys, it's a crapshoot at this point. So, we'll see, man. And real Fries. quick, and real quick, just so we are being respectful, and just so everybody knows the names of the five undrafted free agents we've already signed um, so far. Maybe there's a few more coming, um, but following the draft, the Colts did sign receiver Tyler Vaughns out of USC, receiver Tarek Black out of Michigan slash Texas. Running back Dion Jackson out of Duke. Um, the Colts also followed that move by releasing a running back from the roster. Paul Perkins, I believe was his name, played for the Giants. Um, linebacker Isaiah Kalfusi out of BYU. <laughs> Not sure how I pronounced that name right or wrong, but I went That's... for it. Um, as my dad always says, if you say it with confidence, you can never be wrong. Um, linebacker Anthony Butler out of Liberty. Um Hey, the Colts have a streak of needing an undrafted free agent to make the roster. So this is the list of options right now to be able to make that streak keep going. Um, just a short little thing. If you could pick one of these guys to continue that streak, who do you pick? Let's start with Rashad. Well, this is easy for me, baby. USC all the way. Tyler Vaughn's number 21 for USC, man. Stud receiver. Didn't test well, and I think that's what led to him getting being undrafted. But this guy's great at running routes, man. And, and he has – he high points the football probably better than a lot of guys that, that were selected ahead of him in the draft. So I, I look forward to seeing what Tyler can do. And he's reuniting with Michael Pittman, a guy that's going to be excited to have him there, his former teammate at USC. I look forward to seeing what Tyler's going to bring in OTAs and in training camp. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. I mean, I loved his catch radius. I mean, mm. he just – it wasn't the prettiest balls thrown to him, like, like I mentioned with Sam Ellinger, but, man, did that dude get up. Uh, did he fight a corner to basically muscle his way through their coverage and make the catch? So he's my pick. Um, I'm going to go running back Deion Jackson. I liked his game out of Duke. I mean, I watched sure. him a little bit um, just – because of the draft process. Um, I think he's, I think we could still see Jordan Wilkins get traded during camp or cut. Um, and you could bring a guy like Deion Jackson. I think he can be, you could have Marlon Mack, who's basically the backup to Jonathan Taylor, but then you can have a Deion Jackson who I think could be the backup to Naeem Hines um, and offer a little bit in the pass game while still being a guy who can run the football for you. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him. And then honorable mention for Anthony Butler. He's a guy that a lot of people thought was going to get drafted. Um, so this is probably, that's probably the biggest name undrafted free agent we had. Um, but just that is our undrafted free agency class. And real quick, before we go to our last topic of the day 
this is our one call technology topic of the day. One call technology is a managed telecom service provider whose senior staff has a hundred plus years of experience in virtually every aspect of business communications, business phone system installations and services, managed telecom service providers, telecom carrier management, and high speed internet. Head on over to the One Call website at www.onecalltech.com or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them the Blue Stable guys sent you. All right. Well, getting into our next, uh, our, our last topic of the day, man. I, I think we really got to uh, talk about, you know, winners and losers from this draft, whether if it's rookies or coaches or anything like that so we'll get into the winners uh first off so Rashad we will start with you my biggest winner uh is gonna be Paris Campbell when you look at how this draft unfolded it was a lot of guys with similar skill sets to Paris Campbell those smaller guys quick in the short area burners over the top we had Rondell Moore we had Elijah Moore we had Kadarius Tony, and all of those guys were slated to go in the area where the coach was drafting that and in the draft where the coach really was looking at best player available and not really reaching for needs, they just happen to have a need and a best player available line up at the same spot. And so they took it with Quiddy Pay. It was a no-brainer. But had they took one of those guys, it could have meant that Paris was on the outside looking in, man. So I think he has to be jumping for joy that the coach decided not to take a wide receiver until the seventh round, sixth round, seventh round. Seventh so, round. Yeah, so he has to be jumping for joy. He has to be ecstatic that this team is still speaking highly of him and still putting their faith in him. They didn't reach out and sign any outside free agents. They they really are banking on him in a big way, such as they did last season, and hopefully he's able to stay healthy. So I, I got to believe he watched that draft and, and he was ecstatic. Um, I mean, I'll go next, and I'll say that my biggest winner here for the Colts following the draft and offseason, I'm going to say Frank Reich. Um, Frank Reich went out. He got his guy at quarterback, a guy that I'm sure he was banging the table for in Carson Wentz, but also got to add something that he just really wants to add at the tight end room with Kylan Granson, a true receiving tight end. He tried to get that with Trey Burton last year, um, some nagging injuries and just not being the same athlete as he as that he has been in his career because he's getting up there in age. Granson's going to be great for Frank Reich. I mean, you heard it in the post little post draft press conference videos that were posted a little bit. Like they knew that Frank Reich was going to love this pick. This is a guy that Frank Reich wanted and he got him. So I think Frank Reich has to be happy. My winner here is going to be the entire cornerback room. Uh, I was certainly adamant that we were going to add a corner. I thought there was a couple of guys like Melatofu. Uh, Melifanu, I believe that's actually what his name was. Uh, tofu. Israel, <laughs> Israel Mukawamu. He says, he says tofu every time. Oh, really? Israel Mukawamu, Keith Taylor, Darius Williams. These are all guys that I really liked. Um, but Ballard, you know, he didn't add any competition. You know, I think he's really solid uh, and sold on this cornerback room. You know, Rhodes carry on the one-year deals, but – I believe he really trusts James Rowe to develop Rocky Sin a little bit more than what Jonathan Gannon was possibly able to do. I say a Rogers, Marvell Tell is also a very interesting uh, uh, player to, to talk about. So I believe that they won. No additional competition is coming in to take their jobs. 
And hey, I mean, this is the ultimate run it back if I've ever seen one in sports. So moving on is going to be our losers of the draft. So this is going to be a very interesting one. And Dustin, I will start with you. So I'm going to go losers of the draft are all of the Colts fans that were banging the table to take a tackle early Um, because spoiler alert, they didn't take a tackle until round seven and they've pretty much already said that he's going to play guard. So they didn't take a tackle at all. Um, there's, there was just felt like there was a civil war going on all off season of Colts fans that thought edge was the biggest need Colts fans who thought tackle was, was the biggest need, um, not to toot my own horn, but I was team edge was the biggest, bigger need the entire time. And I think we all were Destin. Yeah. At least the guys on the show right now were, I mean, but there, I would not say that all of Colts nation was, um, because it was, it was a legit 50, 50 split. If you just go scroll on Twitter. Um, so not to say, uh, in your face, but in your face, um, they went edge, but the Colts are going to figure out the tackle spot another way. I mean, they basically said that they didn't like the fits of some of these guys as true left tackles, but we've heard that all year. We, there's, there's so many guys that were drafted to tackle that may have to switch to guard eventually, um, even some of the bigger names in this class. So my, my loser for sure are the Colts fans that had tackle as the number one need. Mike, you should probably go last since I'm sure you have a, a little bit to say about this topic. Uh I'm going to go with on a lower scale because Dustin pretty much hit on a major loser, you know, from the, from that draft. I'm going to go with, and Mike's going to touch on another massive one. So I'm going to go, I'm going to really dig a little bit. I'm going to go with Sean Davis. Uh, one of the reasons Sean Davis signed with us was because he saw an opportunity to be that third safety, you know, to get on the field a lot, especially in sub packages. Sean S E A N everybody. Sean, oh, yeah. Sean Davis from Pittsburgh. And Sean Davis is a loser because of the signing of Sean Davis. <laughs> I know this is sounds this sounds pretty repetitive, and it sounds like no, it's not on repeat. This you're not looped. Sean Davis is the biggest loser because of Sean Davis from the University of Florida, a guy that was picked in the fifth round. So he's not that much of a developmental project. You know, you don't take guys in the fifth round that to just come in and be special teams. I think they see a role for this guy on his defense, and I think they want to develop him. For a little bit, but I think they're going to expect him to come in and play, especially if an injury happens. You know, we're already car- carrying Odom at George Odom at safety as well. So it's going to be a legit dogfight for Sean Davis from Pittsburgh to actually even make the roster at this point in time. So I think he is probably looking like what the heck just happened? They signed somebody with the same name at the same position as me. I got to get my act together and I'm sure he's going to come. He's a veteran. So he's used to handling competition. I'm sure he'll be ready to play and ready to roll and show us what he got in training camp. And I'm looking forward to that battle this off season to see who actually gets that third safety role, because it can be pivotal in what Eberflus wants to do on defense. And speaking of Eberflus. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't happy. Um, Saturday for, for many reasons. Okay. Dustin remembers our talk during the season about just a very weird way of how Ben Banigou was being used. Uh, I think ben, uh, Dustin remembers like me asking like Cassius Marsh over Ben Banigou, like in what world? Cassius uh, Marsh off the streets. Yes. Was getting yes. Um, dressed over Banigou. Now let, let, let me address Kamoko Toure real quick. Uh, I think he's a loser for two reasons because they added more depth at the position 
but also because of another surgery that's going to possibly set him back even more. And man, I just don't know if Kamoko Ture will ever get back to the guy we saw in uh, 2019. I, I really don't know. I mean, these ankle injuries, these Achilles are just killers for guys with that, that injury. And I'm even interested to see how Dak Prescott comes back from that injury. But I, I think he's a loser for that reason alone. I'm not sure if he's going to be a trade candidate, uh, depending on what's going on in training camp or during the season. Getting to Ben Banigum. This is something that is really just, I, I couldn't find an answer for it. And like I said, Destin even remembers, I'm just asking like, what, what is going on here? Like Taekwon Lewis, this wasn't the same as Taekwon Lewis. And I always felt that, but I never said it. It's just like, this doesn't feel the same. It, it doesn't. You can't tell me that a guy in Cassius Marsh was performing better than Ben Banigou. Like, total love for marsh but he's not stronger than ben he's not faster than ben he's not smarter than ben he doesn't fit in the scheme better than ben i at least knew that much so healthy scratches and then ballard comes out big year for ben bandicoot we need kamoko Ture to come on taekwon lewis man we got to get him going and then you go obviously with the obvious one quitty pay and then you add another one. Went and signed Isaac Rochelle. I'm not mad at bringing back Akadine Muhammad back. I'm not mad at that at all. But now it just sounds like you're giving up on someone. It, it sounds like that. And I, and if I'm being honest, I feel like Ben Banigou is being dealt a, a horrible hand, in my opinion. This is just me thinking off the top. It doesn't seem right. Uh, I hate it. And... I, I don't agree. I don't agree with it. I just don't know how you draft someone so high and then you're just giving him the cold shoulder. That, that doesn't happen. For some reason, it happens in Indy, but I look back at other rosters, it doesn't happen anywhere else. You don't draft someone high, play them the rookie year, and then just completely forget about them the second year, completely healthy, by the way, and then come back and say, man, we need him to perform. Something tells me he was performing. He just wasn't getting that attention from... I would say maybe Matt Eberflus. I'm being I'm being honest here. And that's also a reason why I've been out. Also, of course, with the scheme. But I just think Banigou and Kamoko Toure are, are losers from this. Because something tells me, man, someone in the organization has given up on them. For, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I don't have a name. Uh... Possibly got to be someone on the defense, Defense, obviously. But I just feel like these two have possibly been told something and then something else just happened. I, I, I don't like it. Uh, it's the NFL. I understand it. You know, change, plans change. But I don't agree with this at all. Um, I think Ben Banigou has the talent to start. But I'm literally questioning now, was Ben even given a chance last year? Was he given a legitimate chance? Will he be given an, a, a legitimate chance this year in training camp? That's, that's why I say he's a loser because something, something doesn't smell right to me in that, uh, in that defensive room in Indy. So, I mean, I, I 100% agree that, they're, that they are categorizing the draft losers just because of, I mean, they doubled up 
at a position that they're going to have to fight for. Now, I'm all for camp battles. I want the best guys to make the roster. I want the best guys to be on the field. Um, I, I just want the best team put out there each and every Sunday. Um, so we'll see who, what happens. Hopefully um, they respond to this in a way of I'm going to go win those spots. I'm going to go earn my spot. Um, Isaiah Rochelle is not going to take my spot. Those kind of mentalities, what I want to see, um, but they definitely do fall in that draft loser area. All right. Well, uh, do we have anything else for this special draft edition? I mean, we went down a lot of names, yeah. <laughs> went through a lot of stuff and let me, let me just say this, man. I'm not the most ecstatic about this class. I'm not. On one hand, you got a lot of development going on. The other hand, you got to wait till 2022 to see how one guy pans out. And then you're excited. You're truly just excited about one pick. And I'm, I'm only speaking for myself, not speaking for you guys, because I know y'all like Granson. Um, and, and I like him too, but I just, I just don't know day one. So I'm not Let's the say- highest on it. If y'all had a grade for this draft class, where would y'all go? I would probably go a C uh, just based on, you know, it's so hard to do that because you got to see them play, man. You got to see them play. So I'm, I'm open. I'm taking my personal feelings out of it. I think overall it was, it was probably a C plus. So let me ask you to change it a little bit. So I am not a big post draft grade guy um, just because, I mean, they don't matter until you see them play anyway. So let's say you were asked to put a friendly wager down on, what grade you would guess that this this class is going to fill production wise? Um, a meaning that it's going to have like an A to me would meaning that you drafted multiple All Pros. Um, like damn, like that's, that's a, for, that's for me like A plus times ten, right? Well, I mean, okay, that, I, I guess that's what I'm saying is like A plus, like the ten area. Like if you were doing this on a scale of okay. one to ten, like the extreme side of this would be that you like the Quentin Nelson Darius Leonard draft. Like to me, like that would be the far end. Um, And then one being you had to cut your first round pick or trade him to the Dolphins because he wasn't showing up to camp or anything like that. You know, like someone in Tennessee or whatever it was. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) uh, uh, are we grading? Are we grading far as career wise? Or or what about three years in? Uh, Let's just say like the short term window, like the three to five year window. Just contracts. If you had to, yeah. If you had to say right now, the production that these guys give by they're at the end of their rookie contracts. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go B minus because I think I think Quiddy Pay is is can be a, a if he hit his floor, it, he'll be a solid player. Like he'll be a starter for for the next four four to five years. Uh, I think I think Dial y'all might call me crazy. I think he actually has like potential Pro Bowl potential yep. in, in the right system uh, next to Buckner. And if he's able to get back to 100%, I, I, I actually think this guy has, like, a, a really high ceiling. So what uh, with Stewart? Well, Stewart is still be the rundown guy. Yeah, so they're, I think, they're very different. They're very different type of players. That's like a lot Dyer, of money for just a rundown guy. Well, I mean, but, I mean, he's not that's just true. a rundown guy, but, like, Dio, his skill set is closer to – I'm not saying – talent wise but his Buckner. play Buckner. style is closer Buckner. to Buckner yeah. than it's going to be to Grover yeah so I think Grover uh Grover will definitely stay in on first first down and second in short situations I think Grover will still be on the field just just to stop the run but um I'm gonna go B minus because I I just really feel that high about those two guys I, I think Granson over his 
four-year, ten-year can be, you know, a, a, a spot starter, and and he'll have a, he'll carve out a significant role for this offense. Now his value at other places might not be as well, but I think with Frank Wright, who can maximize the way his skill set and get the most out of him. So I'm gonna go be minus. I'm I don't really feel good about any of the other guys that that we drafted. I don't think Sean Davis ceiling is really high, if we're being honest, and Will Freeze. A rotational guy, you know, spot star at guard, maybe develops into a full-time guard. We'll see. But I, I'm really not that confident in any guy other than those top three picks. I, I would probably say maybe C, C plus, because when I an, when I analyzed this draft class last night, um, I told myself, I went and looked back at the roster, and I said, Ballard's done his job on the starters front. He's found his starters. Everyone you're finding is depth. So I think when we grade it, what are we grading them on starter wise or depth? And I'm going to go player by player, not like in the breakdown right now, but in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, Quiddy's going to be a starter. Dale, we assume is going to be a starter. Everyone else development uh, backups. So in terms of that production from a backup uh, combined with Dale and Quiddy, I mean, you said the floor, Rashad. What if he hits his ceiling, man? I think that's a nine sack, 20 tackles for loss a year guy. I mean, that is Pro Bowl numbers right there. That is, I mean, if he can get it up to 15 sacks, that's all pro. Yeah. Uh, Hell, forget 20, go to 35 if that's his ceiling. So, tackles. He's saying 35 tackles. Yeah, for losses, <laughs> for losses. Yeah, screw Aaron Donald. Quiddy Pay is going to be the greatest football defender in the history of the game. All I'm right, sorry, Aaron Donald. We love you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we love you. So you'll be a Colt next year. For me, uh, for me, I'll right. go for me, I'll go C plus just because if you ask me how many true starters are going to come out of this class, I'll say the top three. Um, I think right. Quiddy Pay is going to, I think Quiddy Pay will probably start day one. Um, personally, and um, when it comes to Dio, I, I think he's going to end up earning a spot on the defensive line. He's just so explosive. They're going to find ways to use him. Um, so yeah. even if it is in a depth piece, like he's going to be the first guy off the bench when a guy needs a rest, like he's going to be that kind of guy. Um, and for me, I think Granson's going to have year one production. I really do. Like I, I, I just see it. I just I think don't he's going to see gonna... him as a starter, Destin. I, I'm sorry. Nah. I'm, t- I'm telling you, like I'll, the tight end role is t- tough because the starter um but he's going to be their their go-to pass catching tight end i i and i really feel like it's going to be go-to year one i question do Destin. Oh, man question thought, Destin. but but Destin, i thought we had mo ali Cobb. hey but that's mo my Allie question Cox. mike will 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 kylan out snap mo ali cox this season yes 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 easy See, yes for me but that's easy. not i will i will even make a bet right now he'll he'll out snap mo ali cox by 30 snaps Okay, well, first of all, I'll take the bet because do you, under, do you understand how? Say, first of all, I'll take this. I'll take the bet because Moale Cox will out snap him this year. Um, so, so, secondly, the Colts run the ball so much. Like, come on, Moale Cox is going to be out there run blocking. Those are going to be snaps that he's going to take because Granson's not going to be used there. But I'm but telling Mo- you, in the red zone, I, and if there's a two tight end set in the red zone. I don't think Jack Doyle's number gets called anymore in the red zone. It's going to be Wally Cox and it's going to be Granson. But if Moe is sharing run blocking snaps with Jack Doyle, then Mike may have a point because Moe Alley's not going to get all the run snaps. 
It's going to be Jack Doyle. It's not, especially if it's an RPO. Because now you have Jack who's going to be there to run. Then you're going to have Grantson with that athletic ability if he if Carson does elect to pass. It's going to be a close that bet. That's going to be a close bet. I'm hey, excited to see this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but I'll, I'll take I'll Okay, take, wait, no, I change it. He'll out snap by 15. Never mind. I'll just say, you don't have to put a number on it. Just take whoever. Okay, up. he'll just out snap yeah, more. Yeah. Okay, Wh- all right. Whoever, um, whoever out snaps the other. I, I think Moali Cox will out snap uh, Grantson. Now, the this 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 deal for the fans is null and void if one of them gets injured. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Because for obviously sure. that just – gets injured and the one misses like three games the other one misses none then obviously but if no, yeah I mean, no one no one boy. wally cox's uh his history tells you he's gonna miss games so but either way but, we'll come back and look at this but for, hey for that bet we'll come back and look at this for the draft grade too this is the this is the last guys this this is the last I'm, draft episode i'm about to, I'm about to yes, tweet it out i'm not gonna tweet it out episode uh i'm already looking at Derek stingley Kayvon thibodeau zach harrison uh, I'm already looking at those guys. I'm not looking at quarterbacks. We're not we're not going to need a quarterback. We're going to have Jacob Easton if Carson DeWins doesn't. Oh no, we're going to have Sam Ellinger. Ellinger. Come on if, now. If Carson Wentz doesn't work out, we're going to it's Ellinger time. Yeah. How do you do the horns? How do you do the horns? Hey, tell Justin, me how much. Justin came out like this. Like what the heck? Are you what doing? is that? YouTube will see. YouTube will see. I did this. I don't care. How do you do it? It's like Spider Man. <laughs> you do it like this, Destin. Chur. You do it like that. Like this? Like that? Like this? I guess so. Eight time. But uh, I'll say this right now: whoever wins buys. Uh, whoever loses buys the winner a jersey of their choice. Wow, man, that that's extensive. Wow, sure. Big All right. Man. Big All right. Man. Hey, um, uh, virtual handshake. Virtual handshake. All Rashad right. can tweet this out. We'll bookmark it right now. Here we I'll, go. All okay, right, I'm, here we go. It, it, so, I'm, I'm tweeting it out right now. Yep, I, absolutely. So, uh, Destin, uh, obviously, give me a Michael Pittman jersey because I'm going to win this. But uh, so, all right, guys, I believe that's all the time we have for this episode. It is the last draft-centered episode, guys. It it was a wild ride. Thank you to everyone that, that interacted with us on our draft takes uh, through the whole time on Twitter or Facebook, wherever you, you guys listen to us. Thank you for just engaging with us, paying attention, learning so much. Hell, we learned so much from you guys as well. And this is why we do it. So again, guys, thank you. It's time to look at the team. It's time to look at, at, at our run at a Super Bowl going. All right. Michael Pittman's going for 2000 receiving yards. All right, better than Julio Jones. It's Michael Pittman season. Yes, Destin, that is back. Now, I gave you a break from the draft, but now Michael Pittman season is here. All right, come see me. If you got anything, you come see me. We can get this furniture moving and we can do what we need to do. All right, all righty. So, guys, he is Destin Adams. He is Rashad McGinnis. I am Michael Taraz. This is the Blue Stable podcast presented to you by Fansided, guys. All right, so. Our final goodbyes to you this draft season. We will see you again for draft content next February after we win the Super Bowl. All right, guys? So, hey, hey let's load up. And we are excited to be back on Colts Football Talk. We will see you later.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.